0: Hey, we're going to give a massive shout out just to uh, to encourage our pastor Twig as he comes up. Thanks, Twigger.
1: Okay. Hopefully
2: this is working. Testing. All right, we're on. Great to uh, great to be here and to share with you tonight. And uh, I'm going to get straight into it. We are right in a series, or nearing the end of actually actually a series that we've been doing called Signs of Life. And so, um, actually, can I just ask one thing, firstly, sorry, is that okay to have the t- TV to be turned off at the back, just because there's delay, and I see myself, and I hate watching myself, it's really awkward, thank you so much, you guys are amazing, why don't we give them a hand, these guys are amazing. Uh, So much better without seeing me. That's great. Uh, So we are in this series at the moment called uh, Signs of Life, and we're looking at some of these uh, powerful moments where Jesus does some miracles, and it 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 sort of creates a sign or it's revealing something in this moment. What is what is this this miracle pointing to? And so we've been looking at some of these powerful stories, and tonight uh, is no different. We're going to have a look again at another one of these stories, and what that means, what the principle means uh, for our own lives. Now, I remember a few years ago, uh, I was helping a mate out of mine uh, working on a job uh, locally. We are just doing some demolition work, and uh, we're working on this job together at a house. Uh, He's a carpenter, actually, a specialist removalist, actually, I think I was doing a bit of that. But anyway, uh, it's not a big deal. Whatever it was, we were working on a house, and we decided that what we'd do is we would go get some lunch. And so uh, we left the house, we walked outside, and as we walked outside, uh, we walked past, the footpath there, uh, where the council land is, the council grass. But something caught my eye, uh, at the corner of my eyes, we we'll walk into the car and I noticed this magpie. I always have these animal stories, don't, don't I? Uh, I've got another one. Oh, by the way, if you are here a few weeks ago, I spoke about a uh, gecko and every man and his dog asked me afterwards, what happened to the gecko? So I just want to quickly say, the gecko, I got it free, it's alive and there's generations of geckos that are in your houses because of it. So, uh, But anyway, so I walked I walked out and uh, I noticed in the corner of my eye, something in the corner of my eye on the grass nearby. And as I walked by, I looked and I saw this this magpie. Uh, sitting on the ground and I looked a bit more closely, and he looked weird like I've never really seen him kind of one like laying on the grass like that in that sort of a state and I thought oh what, I wonder what's going on here and I walked over a little bit closer and he was dusted. I mean he was in a really bad way uh, pretty crook, he looked pretty sick and again I don't know why but my heart went out to it and I don't know why either because the amount of times these things have swooped me and swooped you and swooped everyone else And, uh, and but my heart did, I went out to it and I thought this guy's in a bad state And I said to my mate, I said, check this out, like he's not good. And we got a little bit closer and sure enough, he wasn't moving. And you know what birds are like, you get anywhere near them and they quickly fly off, but he was not moving. And I thought, what are we going to do? Like he's really crook, but he was like trying to get up and he was, but he was sick, really sick. And so my mate happened to have a bottle of, I don't even know if they're still around, I haven't seen him for a while, but a bottle of, you know, that vitamin water and he had a bottle of vitamin water and he was drinking that and he goes, oh, I've got an idea. And so he took the cap off it, he poured a little bit of vitamin water in the cap and then with the vitamin water, we kind of just pushed it over to a little magpie and sort of almost pushed it over to his beak. And uh, it was sort of a bit of a joke. We were like, oh, there we go. He'll be right now, a bit of vitamin water, no worries at all. And so we jumped back in the car, we went and got lunch and we came back, we parked exactly where we were. And then I got out of the car and I went to walk back in the house and I looked and I said, oh my goodness. And I turned to my mate, I said, Check, check this out. And he's, like, he's got the worst memory ever. He's like, oh, what, what? I said, the magpie, has gone. Like, it's literally gone. I mean, this thing was dusted and dead. And uh, we looked, and sure enough, it was completely gone. And, and we couldn't believe it. I said, it's got a, the vitamin water. It's amazing, this stuff, the vitamin water. And, uh, and so we kind of have a bit of a laugh about it today. And I can't remember if the lid was there or not. Maybe swallowed the lid and died anyway of, you know, uh, plastic in its um, intestines or something. But, but, um, but it, was a mir- it was a magpie miracle. It was amazing. It was a, a, uh, a resurrection of a magpie. So an- another amazing miracle. And we investigated the area very well. I mean, there was no feathers hanging around, so I knew a dog or cat hadn't got it. It must have just been the vitamin water. Amazing. But anyway... So the resurrection of a magpie, but what I'm talking about tonight is again a, another resurrection story, but far more important than a sweeping magpie, that's for sure. A resurrection story that we discover in the Bible that has tremendous impact and points us to something so important as it relates to our own life uh, and, and the principles uh, in the Bible here. And so we're gonna go through this a little bit. It's in John uh, chapter 11. There's quite a lot of passages here and I decided between the four and the six. What I'll do is I'll paraphrase a little bit and we'll just go through it a little bit uh, together now. So starting in verse one, it says this. Now I'll say this as well. Many of you will be familiar with this story. For some of you, you've never heard it uh, before. So it says this, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. And this is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. It might come up on the screen. Yeah, we got it there. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, I love this, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. So they send this message to Jesus, uh, their friend, or their brother, sorry, Lazarus is in a bad way, he's sick. And they know, they've seen Jesus do miracles, they know what he's capable of. And they send a message to Jesus, in essence, to say, come and heal Lazarus. I love how they do it, though, it's quite creative. They could have just sent a message to say, look, just come and heal him, Jesus, would you do this for us? But they say this, your dear friend, In the NLT, it says that, but interestingly, in another version, the NIV, it says, the one you love. They send this message, Jesus, the one you love is very sick. And I love that. It's almost like, almost like um, reminding Jesus, hey, remember, this isn't, just about, this isn't just about us. This isn't just for us. Remember, you love him too, Jesus. You love Lazarus. Would you come and revive him? Would you come and heal him? Would you do something in his life? I don't know about you, but have you ever prayed a prayer like that, almost praying the promises of God back to himself, Maybe it's uh, someone you deeply love and you'd love to see come to faith, come to know the fullness uh, found in God. And you've prayed, you've prayed, God, I, I, I pray for this person. I'd love for them to come to know you, break into their life. Lord, I know you want this more than I want this. Your word says, God, remember your word says that you don't want any to perish. You pray the promises back to God himself they're desperate, they're, 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 they desperately want Jesus to come and they remind him, remember Jesus, this is the one that you love also. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. And then he says this, which is pretty interesting. Now it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So, this is so powerful, verse five. So, although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, it says he stayed where he was for the next two days. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this, I think, okay, so Jesus even acknowledges that he loves Lazarus deeply. And not just Lazarus, he loves Mary and he loves Martha. And they cry out to Jesus in great desperation, would you come and do a miracle? Would you heal Lazarus? We know you love him, Jesus. And the response is this, so interesting. It says, so although Jesus loved them, he stayed where he was for the next two days. So he loves them and yet he doesn't go to their aid. Have you ever considered that at times? I mean, how many times? How many times have we cried out to God in prayer and said, God, I desperately want this. God, I desperately long for this. God, I need you to help and I need you to break through in this circumstance that I'm facing in my life. And we say, God, do it now. Now, like I need this now. It states here that he, out of his love for them, he stays another two days. Our timeline and God's timeline are so different. We, we, we think, we, we need it now, I want it now. Like that's, it's gotta happen now, God, and what we discover out of love for them, he withholds. It's interesting thought. I don't know if you've ever done this before. Have you ever prayed, or sorry, not prayed, but have you ever thanked God for unanswered prayers? You see, there comes a time where we've just gotta trust that God is sovereign. There comes a time, and how many times have we prayed before? God, you know, I want this, and, and would you do it now? And then in hindsight, we look back and say, oh my goodness, thank you, Lord, you actually didn't do it. Or, or that prayer I thought I desperately wanted, actually, that could have been the worst thing for me. And we realise, actually, God, you are sovereign. You do have a plan, even when you don't seem to be coming through. And for some of you, you've prayed for two days. For some of you, prayed for two weeks. For some of you, it's been two months, two years, maybe even 20 years, and you're saying, God, where are you? And the response is this, out of his love for you, he waits, because he knows better. But we don't always see it like that. It's hard to understand. It's hard to get our heads around that, but out of his love for them, he withholds for two more days. I don't know if this is a great example. I'm probably flagging. It might be pretty ordinary, actually, but I'll have a go anyway. But I remember... uh, um, you know, a few years ago now, Raquel and I were looking to, to, to buy um, our house. And, and uh, so we, we'd looking around, we're looking at realestate.com and all that sort of stuff. And there was a house that we thought, okay, this would probably be really good, you know, this would be suitable for us. And, uh, and we went to, we had a look at it, we put down an offer. And uh, naturally, sometimes in, in that, there's negotiations that take place and the real estate agent was coming back to us, oh, can he push a bit more and all that sort of stuff. Eventually, we got to a point where we just said to him, listen, we, we're literally at our limit now. We, we can't go any higher. But we were, I mean, were we praying into it? Absolutely. We literally thought, God, this is great. This is perfect. We think this is a really good house for us. And so we were praying into it and then the real estate agent said, yeah, oh, it's just a little bit more. We're really close. We're really close. I understand he's working for the client. He's working for the seller. We're really close. Can you just push that? I think it was about 5,000 bucks. He's like, you just need that little bit more. And we're just like, we're, we literally can't. Like, we cannot go any further. And he's like, okay, okay. And then we didn't hear from him for a week and then it was like, okay, that's over. We missed it. And then he calls back and we think, oh, okay. He's keen. And so he calls back and he says, oh, we're really close. You, don't, you definitely can't push that little bit more. So I'm so sorry. He goes, I completely understand. And then later I found out it was sold on realestate.com. And I'm like, and, and naturally we were, a bit, we were a bit gutted by that. We're like, shame, God. I mean, we were praying that we thought this would have been a perfect place. Now, it would have only been about three weeks later and all of a sudden this other house came up and we had a look at it and we thought, this house is awesome, this would be perfect for us, it'd be a great uh, house to buy. And we put in an offer, there was multiple offers and the real estate agent rang us a couple of days later and said, you, you've won it, like you've, you've uh, you know, the sellers wanna go with you guys and we were stoked. And in hindsight, that was a better house. In hindsight, we are so thankful now we didn't get the first one. Why? Because God had a plan, he knows better than our limited thinking sometimes. Praise God for the unanswered prayers. Praise God sometimes. We don't understand it. But he withheld in that moment and we're so thankful he did. And in the same way, here is this situation where they're wondering, of course they would have been wondering, Jesus, what were you thinking? Why did you wait? We needed you now. You could have saved Lazarus. And this morning in worship, I heard that song and it triggered something for me. And I thought, that is, the pro- that is a powerful uh, proclamation, These words. It's in the song, you know, The Waymaker. Is that the right? Oh, yeah. Anyway, good. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, The Waymaker. And I don't know if it's the bridge or the chorus. I don't know. I'm not musically. I can't clap a beat, you know. So, I, I don't know. But it's these words. As I was singing these words, I thought, that is a powerful proclamation. Even when it says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. And for many of you, you'd be familiar with that song. But what a powerful proclamation. That that it's so true, isn't it? It's a it's a it's a statement of faith. That's what it is. It's a statement of faith. God, I don't know what you're doing in these circumstances. And some of you tonight online and sitting here are going, yeah, I don't know what God's doing because I'm praying my guts out and he doesn't seem to be coming through. The amount of times people have come down in response and said, I, I, I just need prayer because I'm praying and I just feel like God's not there. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. It's this powerful faith statement. God, even in the midst of it, I'm going to trust you. I know you're working. I know you're working. You have to be working because this is who you are. This is who you are. And so here Mary and Martha find themselves in this predicament and Jesus stays for a couple of days. And then eventually he says to his disciples, Jesus, he says, all right, let's go to Judea. And they're like, are you kidding? You want to go back there? Literally only a few days ago, they wanted to stone you. And Jesus says, our friend is Lazarus has fallen asleep. But now I'll go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll soon get better. Like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So I love this. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, listen to this. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. <sighs> oh, I know, it's, it's huge. He's just died. The one he loves has just died. And Jesus makes a statement which sounds ridiculously insensitive. And I'm glad I wasn't there. Because now you will really believe. Believe. Now you'll really believe. You see, what we're discovering, for some of you, you know the ending of this story. What we discover is Jesus is about to do a miracle and raise this man from the dead. But he wanted to make it so clear that there could be no confusion as to what takes place in this moment. Sometimes I, I think we need to get to a place in our life where we know beyond we know that that had to be God. Sometimes I wonder if God lets us get to a place where we're in such dire straits, in such need, that we get to a place where we cry out to God and say, God, I'm done, I'm finished, I'm dead, I cannot go on any further. And then, often then, is the resurrection miracle that we so desperately need. But sometimes the reason he waits is because then there can be no confusion. You can't confuse, oh, hang on, no, I did that. I pulled that off. No, <laughs> you just said to Jesus that you're done and you're dead. And Jesus waits two days. Why? He says, I'm, uh, I, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. I'm glad it's been four days since his um, death because there can be no confusion. When this man is raised from the dead, there can be no confusion about how it happened and who did it. The power of God will be displayed in the midst of this. And for many of you, you've wondered, I cannot go on, I cannot keep pushing forward. And it's in that very place that Jesus does his greatest miracle. You see, you wouldn't know if it was a miracle if you could do it in the flesh. If you could just keep going along and doing it, then you'd never recognize, oh my goodness, look at the hand of God taking place in this situation. Sometimes we need to get to a place where we are in desperate, desperate need. The recipe for a miracle is impossibility. And he made it very clear that, I mean, the body would have been decomposing four days, the stench, like there there could be no confusion. Oh, you know, if Jesus came back and kind of resuscitated him or something, people would go, well, that's amazing, absolutely. But you know, he didn't raise him from the dead, but Jesus wanted to make sure this is super clear, no doubt about it. This is a full-blown resurrection. The recipe for a miracle sometimes the recipe for a miracle is impossibility. And sometimes we need to get to that place where you just God comes through and we know only God could have done such a thing. I was reminded of this earlier in the week actually. I've been speaking a little bit in some of the local high schools and chaplains and stuff like that and Recently I spoke in a chapel this past week and I thought to myself I should um uh, and it's hard for them at the moment because they can't sing in chapel and so I thought maybe I should take someone with me. And I thought of uh, Edgar Conlan, he he uh, is part of Dion Church and I I don't know, it was just a God thing, and I thought of him the night before and I said, mate, so last minute, normally my way. But um, but uh do you want to come with me to this chapel tomorrow? Crazy circumstance, he said, I'm actually available. And he came out and And this week, and I think a couple of weeks ago, we did it as well, but he came out and he he got up to sing and it's amazing. And I g-ed it up big time. I said to the kids, I said, all right, I've got a friend of mine here who's gonna sing a song and he sings in the shower a little bit and I think he worked out he's half decent, you know, and so he's gonna sing a song for you guys and I just like fully played it down. And he got up and he said, it just reminded me, he said, you know, um," he shared a little bit of his story and he just said, you know, um, I still get really nervous coming and playing guitar and singing. And he said, um, Oh, my story is that, you know, a few years ago, I just always had this deep, deep desire to want to sing for God. And he said, I had no voice, like I was a terrible singer. And it's true, like he used to say, you know, like people, he'd try and sing at home and stuff like that and around people and they'd say, Edgar, like, please shut up, mate. Like, your voice is so bad. Like, he said, oh, my wife would be like, Edgar, please stop singing. Like, it was that awful. That's what he reckons. And so he's sharing this with the young people, he's saying, but he said, one night I remember distinctly just praying, he said, God, and I just want to say, uh, this mightn't happen for everyone, okay? So don't go home and do this. But he prayed and he just said, God, if you would give me a voice, I'd give it back to you. I'd just give it back to you and I'd just sing for your glory. And he said, two weeks later, he's in a bus with Dion, and heading down to some men's conference. And Billy, out of the blue, just goes, "Edgar, why don't you get up and sing a song?" As you know, uh, as he would. And uh, and he's thinking, "Oh goodness!" Like, and he goes, "Oh, okay." And he just felt prompted to do it. So he gets up on stage. And he said, he just opened up his voice and started singing. Now again, don't go home and pray this. And said, Pastor Twig said, if I prayed this, I'd get an epic voice. But he got up and he sung and he said it was one of the most powerful things. And men came in their droves afterwards saying that was the most powerful thing we've ever heard. That was phenomenal. And so I kind of played it down and he got up to sing. And man, alive, when you hear his voice, I mean, he's got a voice like an angel. It's ridiculous. It's insane. And he starts singing and tingles start going down your spine. It's unbelievable. Let me just say this because it reminded me, he really can't take glory for it. You know what I mean? Like he literally cried out to God, God, my voice... uh, sucks my voice is really bad is probably a better way to put it like my voice is really bad God if you just gave me a voice I'd, bring, I'd give it back to you and he can't take glory for it like he can't say oh yeah you know I'm self-taught I'm amazing all that sort of stuff he just gives it back to God and sometimes we need to get to that place so there can be no confusion like is this just me in the flesh or is this truly the power of God at work But this happens in all sorts of areas of life. I thought of a friend of mine in business, again, and some of you are familiar with this story, but again, he just drove and drove himself. He thought success, he wanted to achieve success in business. Ten years, he worked so hard. And he got to a point in sheer desperation, in the car park of his business, and he said, God, I can't do this. I literally can't go on any further. And God God said to him, who is your God and where's the fruit? And he realized he woke up every morning with the business on his mind. He went to bed every night with the business on his mind. He said, God, the business is my God. And he realized there was no fruit to show for it. And he laid it before God. And he said, uh, again, I'm not promising this will happen, but he laid it before God And the following week was the best financial week that ever had in the entire business. But it's been turned upside down. And the things that are taking place in the business are extraordinary. And he can't take credit for it. It is the power, the resurrection power of God taking place in and through the business. And some of you are here tonight and they've got all sorts of different circumstances and things going on in your life. And what you need, I just, I, I, maybe it's an encouragement, I don't know. But I just pray you'd be encouraged tonight as you come and you go, God, where are you? I'm desperate. I need help in this situation. I don't feel like I can go, go forward. I literally am dead. I'm done. I'm, I'm finished. It may be you're in the very place where God is going to display his resurrection power in your life. And so that when you look back, you go, wow, only God could have done such a thing. And don't you want that? Don't you want a God story? Not I achieved this, a God story where people look on and say, only God, only God could have done such a thing. So they go to head back to Bethany and Martha comes out to Jesus and she says this, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, "'Your brother will rise again.' "'Yes, Martha,' said, "'he will rise when everyone else's rise at the last day.' "'And Jesus told her, "'I am the resurrection and the life. "'Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. "'Everyone who lives in me and believes in me "'will never, ever die. "'Do you believe this, Martha?' "'Yes, Lord,' she told him. "'I have always believed you are the Messiah, "'the Son of God, "'the one who has come into the world from God.'" And what we discover in this passage is this, this little gospel that is, uh, that is weaved in as, as Martha, was it Martha or Mary? Uh, as as uh, Martha acknowledges and realises who Jesus is, the life and resurrection. And I don't know, I just felt compelled. And maybe as well, whether it's online or here in the auditorium, maybe you've never understood the power, the resurrection power of Christ in your own life. In your own life, and maybe for you, you think, I-, "I would love to know what that's like." Maybe for you, you're in desperate state, a deep need for something more, and you know in your heart, "I wish, I wish there was something more. I wish I could experience this power that you talk of this very day." Maybe you so desperately need that. And I want to encourage you tonight I just want to encourage you that you might surrender your life to him to know the fullness found in him the resurrection power found in him the greatest decision you will ever make is to surrender all that you have and all that you are over to him I came across this story in one of my devotions by Nikki Gumbel HTB it's a 365 day bible app but he has a devotion at the start and it said this, there was a little story at the start that said at the age of 18, Billy Nolan ran away, ran away from the Merchant Navy. He was an alcoholic for 35 years and for 20 years, he sat outside HTB, uh, which is their church. He sat outside HTB drinking alcohol and begging for money. On the 13th of May, 1990, he looked in the mirror and said, you're not the Billy Nolan I once knew. To use his own expression, he asked the Lord Jesus Christ into his life and made a covenant with him that he would never drink alcohol again. And from that day on, he didn't touch a drop. His life was transformed. He radiated the love and the joy of Christ. And I once said to Billy, you look happy. He replied, I am happy because I am free. Life is like a maze. And at last I have found the way out through Jesus Christ. St. Augustine wrote that God was the master Whom to serve is perfect freedom. And I am convinced that that is the very reason for many of you, not many, but for some of you maybe, you won't surrender your life to Christ because you're convinced that you are going to miss out. And you could not be, I I, I say this unapologetically, but that could not be any further from the truth. That freedom actually is found in him. Experiencing the resurrection of Christ that you so desperately need and that I so desperately need. We deserve hell and we experience hell, glimpses of hell on this earth as well, but he came to bring freedom and life. He is life, he is the resurrection power and to put your faith and your trust in him is the greatest thing you could ever do. And so Martha had spoken to Jesus and then Mary meets Jesus and she says, Lord, if only you'd been here again. My brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing at her, uh, sorry, with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. And it talks about how Jesus wept in that moment. Now, why was he troubled? There's a couple of theories around this. I'm not going to go into great detail. But uh, there's one theory that uh, people just didn't understand or realise that their minds were on th- this earth, that, that death was the end and didn't realise that there was life and life to come. But secondly, that his deep pain and heartache for humanity, seeing them in pain and seeing death and seeing suffering, that that wasn't his agenda in his heart and he wept and had a heart for these people. I wonder, I don't wonder, but I I know, beyond I know, that Jesus Jesus, then and today, his, his heart is no different. His love for humanity, his love for you, is for you to experience life, to experience the resurrection power of him, to know that there is something more and he is deeply concerned for humanity, for you, for people. Um, I don't know, like I said before, I... I've been going through schools lately, and I don't know what it is, but God's just breaking my heart afresh again for, for people, and particularly young people. I've never felt like this before for young people and youth, and I just feel like God's laying on my heart the, the possibility. Of what could take place amongst young people. Imagine winning a school for Christ. Imagine winning some, some influential people for Christ. And maybe it's because I've been speaking in some of these schools, but my heart is bleeding in a way I haven't felt before. My mum's concerned, actually. Mum, I just want to clear up. It's just for people, I, you know. She's been talking to Pete, and she's talking to my wife. Is, is David okay? You know, he seems to be upset in a lot of his sermons lately. Uh, but but it's that it's that heart for humanity. And as I'm walking through these schools, I, I don't know. I just I just my heart's breaking my heart's breaking and if you've ever sat with me certainly in a corporate prayer meeting it's that same principle again I I don't know the answer I don't know what it's going to look like but, but in a way that is the answer isn't it The amount of times I've prayed, God, if you could break into this school, if you could break into this university, if you could break into this community, if you could reach these people, if you could just do it, God, what could take place in people's lives and in the community? And as I pray that so many times, I've prayed, God, and I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it, but you do. And in a way, that's the very place we need to be. If we thought we could do it, then we'd know, oh, that wasn't God, that was just us, We need a God work. We need a a resurrection power of God to, to come through our local schools, through our universities, through our communities. We need the resurrection power of God and it's gotta be by him. Jesus' deep love for people and we discover Jesus comes to the tombstone where Lazarus was laid and in verse 39 roll the stone aside Jesus told them but Martha the dead's man's sister protested Lord he's been dead for days Oh, sorry for four days the smell will be terrible and Jesus responded didn't I tell you didn't I tell that you would see God's glory if you believe so they rolled the stone aside and then Jesus looked up to heaven and said father thank you for hearing me you always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. I'm so glad. He said, notice that Lazarus, come out, spoke the name of Lazarus. If he didn't, could you imagine the people coming out of the graves, if he just said, come out, and all the people of all the graves would be coming out. He said, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus and the dead man came out. His hands and feet bound in grave cloths, his face wrapped in headcloth. Jesus told them, "Unwrap him and let him go." There could be no confusion around this miracle. There can be no confusion of what taken place. I mean, the, Lazarus had been buried for for four days. And Jesus does a remarkable miracle. What's this pointing towards? What's this sign and this miracle as we look at this? What, what is this showing us? I, I think it's just showing us what Jesus said earlier in the chapter. I think the Bible is saying that Jesus is the life and the resurrection. I think he's just proving that. That's what he's doing. And he says in his prayer, I did this out loud so all these people might see, so they might know that I am the life and I am the resurrection. That resurrection power is in me. I think that's what it's pointing to, honestly. I think that's what it's saying. And like I said earlier, I think there are times in our life where we just, uh, that God lets us get to a place where we desperately need him so that we can see the resurrection power take place. It's, it happens in this story. They are in absolute desperate need. And, and you know what? It's impossible. Like surely, surely a dead person can't come back to life, but his power is revealed in a remarkable way. And like I said, for some of you here tonight, you come and you, you're, desperate, you're in desperate need for God to work powerfully. And you are in a prime position for the resurrection power of Christ to come and work in and through your life in a way that there can be no confusion as to what it was. We had a leaders meeting this past week. Apologize to the leaders because you heard it earlier in the week, but I'm just gonna share it again. But we had a leaders meeting this week and as I was speaking to one of our young adult leaders um, about this, this story about the young adults and our connect groups and how they kind of originally got started, he said, I've never heard that before. And I thought I've told the story a thousand times. And he goes, no, I've never heard that before. And I I do remember, you know, those early days when I'd just come to faith and I was serving here in the church and Nathan was young adults pastor at the time and he was running young adults and and I jumped on board and I was helping him. I'd come and put chairs out and all that sort of stuff. But over time, he began to give me more and more responsibility and he was involved in broader things of the church, really uh, getting to a point of almost like an executive pastor role here in the church. And uh, we used to do a service called Ignite on Wednesday night. It was just a young adult service every single week. And I remember I was super pumped about, oh, been really uh, passionate about working with young adults, and, and throughout the year, things were going great, and the service was growing, it was amazing, and all this sort of stuff was so exciting, but as about halfway through the year, all of a sudden, the year continued on, and it really started to drop off, really started to, to pitter away, uh, and, and, and it, was, it, was, it was kind of it was sad, like it was heartbreaking, it was really heartbreaking to see it kind of fall away and we'd gotten to the point in the middle of the year, there was heaps of young adults coming for the size of the church that we were at that time, like 13 years ago, whatever it was, but at the end of the year, I mean, it had dwindled to literally nothing and it was so heartbreaking and it was just, I just thought, God, what are you doing in the midst of this and I was struggling and I remember our third last service, because I remember this recently, our third last Ignite service, uh, I mean, it would really, it would really dwindle to nothing and And so we used to do these services. And and by this stage, the band came out. I was there, Nathan was there. And we had one other key young adult leader that was there as well. And he must have seen, man, this is not going well. And so he, to a young adult service, he invited his parents to come. You know, so, so we just had me and then uh, our, this key leader and his parents sitting there. The band got up, they played, and I just stood in the front and this other key leader and uh, the band played. And I don't know why, but I got up and I preached pretty much to the band and a key leader and his parents. And, uh, and then I got down. Well, we did our second last service, similar thing. Pretty much nearly no one turned up, not even the key leader and his parents turned up this time. And it was just me, Nathan, and the band because they had to turn up. And so, and I don't know why we did it in the end, but we still went ahead with the service. And I was preaching again uh, that night and the band got up and literally, no word of a lie, I stood in the front row and the band played to me. And there, we, we did not the sound guy didn't even turn up. So Nathan was on sound. So I stood in the front row, the band played to me, I worshipped, and then I got up, I preached to the band and then the band did a response song to me. And uh, <laughs> it was, I mean, it, you know, like, it was heartbreaking. Like... Talk about a you know momentum killer, like there was nothing, like it was dead. And we kind of laughed about, you know, do we advertise our last service? Like, you know, like like no one's coming to this. But I tell you what, it was a heartbreaking time, really heartbreaking. And we I don't think we did our last service. But what happened was quite significant because I was so I was so heartbroken and so devastated by what had taken place. I remember distinctly over those Christmas holidays, we stopped and we took a break for Christmas holidays. And I remember, I, you know what it forced me to do? It forced me to go to God. It forced me to press into Him in a way that I've never done before. You see, I was, in a, you know, I, was, I was deeply burdened by all of this. And I went to God and I pressed into God. And I was pretty much at a point where I'm like, I'm done, I'm dead. But it was through that that God spoke. It was through that God gave clarity in order to grow bigger and stronger. You need to grow smaller and stronger first. And we came up with this concept of connect groups and all this sort of stuff. And it kind of just, it just kind of grew from there and it developed. But you know what? I can't, I can't look back and say, oh yeah, look what we achieved. It's the work of God. There can be no confusion about that. No confusion. I mean, we killed it. Like we killed, literally killed it, not killed it in a good way. We killed this thing, you know, and then God just spoke. And we look back and say, that was God. He led us, he guided us and he maintains it. And sometimes we need to get to that place. Sometimes we need to get to that place. And I remember a little while later there was a group of um Malian College students because I remember when we went through Malian College, they used to do like a week of E thing, was like an excursion, not excursion thing, but uh, yeah, maybe it was actually maybe an excursion thing where you go to, you know, another church and you do you'd just check out how they do ministry and you would just um, um, yeah, do some different ministry elements and stuff like that with with a you know small class. And I remember uh, distinctly a couple of students, they were doing their week of E here at Bridgman Church and just checking out different things. And a couple of students that were involved in youth and young adult stuff, um, they said, oh, we'd love to catch up with you and just talk about you know, what you do in young ads and stuff. I said, yeah, for sure, I'd love to do that. And I distinctly remember they came and I was chatting to them. And then one of the guys asked me this question. He says, so, and it was a great question. I'm not sure why he asked it, but he said, so what's like some of your strengths, you think, like in, in young adults or, or maybe even for you personally, what's some of your strengths and weaknesses? And I said this, no word of a lie, I just said this to him. So they're involved in youth and young adults ministry as well. And I just said this, and I said, you know what? I'll I'll tell you my strength, firstly. I'm convinced that one of my strengths is this, is that most of the time when it comes to running young adults ministry, I mostly don't have a clue what I'm doing. That's what I said. Like, true, like I I literally, most of the time, I don't really know what I'm doing. That's what I said. And they're like, oh, okay. And maybe you didn't think I was necessarily going to say that. And I don't think they did either. You know, they're like, oh, right. They they might have been going to take notes and they quickly put their pens away. Um, But I said, no, it's true. But you know what? And it is true. And it's still the same today. I I apologize. You know, look, come follow me. (laughs) I've got no idea what I'm doing. But in, in, in some respect, it's true. But you know what? You know what I found, what I discovered? Is that actually that's become one of my greatest strengths. That, 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 that my weakness in that or not understanding or not realizing, God, what are we doing this, in this moment actually has become one of my greatest strengths because when you don't know what you're doing, you cry out to God. When you don't know way forward, you cry out to God. When you get to a place in your life where you're like, I, I'm done, I'm finished, I cannot go on any further, I'm dead, God, you cry out to God. And it's actually in that moment that then you experience the resurrection power that we so desperately need. I do not want to walk in the flesh. I do not want to look back in years to come and say, look what I built. It is powerless and it will achieve mostly nothing in internal perspective. But I I want to see what God wants to do. I want to see the resurrection power of Jesus in and through ministry and look back and say, only God could have done such a thing. That's what I want to see. And I pray from the bottom of my heart that there's something in your heart that says, I want that too. I want that too. Lord Jesus, protect us from ever being a church and think that we can achieve this or do this. That's a disaster. It's an absolute disaster. We need the resurrection power of God. There can be no confusion, no confusion. You know, if you ever get you know, discouraged if things aren't going well, be very careful because you may be tempted to take the glory when things do go well. If you get discouraged and devastated oh, when things aren't going well, you may be tempted to take the glory when things do. And so here there can be no confusion as to what's taken place. The resurrection power of Jesus, he raised Lazarus from the dead. I'm going to finish with this one last thought. I remember back in those early days as well with Young Adults Ministry and, um, and, and it was, like I said, it was heartbreaking. It was so tough. It was really difficult. Was just, and I was just like, I'm done. I can't go on. And, uh, and I remember a few or two times distinctly, I thought, I need, to, I need to talk to someone. And so i go into Pete's office. I said, Pete, you know, would I be able to talk to you for a moment? Hey, yeah, yeah, come in, Dave. Sit, sit down, sit down, you know. And I'd go into Pete's office and i say, Pete, like, I'm just going to pour out my heart. I, I, I'm just, I just don't know if I can do this. I don't know what I'm doing around young adult stuff. I can't do this. I literally cannot go on any further. I, I, I think I'm done. Like, I'm literally dead. I'm, I'm absolutely done. I cannot go on any further. And so I'm thinking, I, I just need encouragement. And I look at Pete and he's kind of got this cheeky smile, which he sometimes does. He's got this smile on his face. And he says one word to me. He says, great. And I'm like, that's the most insensitive thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, are you serious? I just poured my heart out to you. Like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Surely in my, in my head, I'm thinking, he didn't hear me properly. So I reiterated again, Pete, just letting you know, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I'm finished. I can't run this ministry anymore. And he replies again, one word, super. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on here? And I say that, and I, and I, and I say this because this is important. I don't say that in a disrespectful way. I say this actually in a respectful way because what I discovered is the principle that Pete understands. Pete is, understands this principle better than any single person I've ever met in my life. You see, Pete realizes that actually it's when we're weak. It's actually when we're at ends rope that then the power of God comes and outworks through our lives. And you see, it's interesting because I went in there thinking, I I need compassion. Like, I need someone to encourage me. I need someone to help me. And what I came out with was was a perspective shift. I I probably didn't need encouragement. I, I needed a perspective shift that, hey, David, you're actually in a great place. Why? Because when you're weak, when you think, I can't go on, I'm dead and done in the water, that's when the resurrection power comes. And he knew now, now David will not be tempted to take the glory. Now he knows, he knows this is gonna have to be the work of God. That's why Paul said these words, but God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is what? My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So why? So that Christ's power may rest on me. It's when I'm weak, it's when I'm done, it's when I'm at the place where I'm like, I can't go on any further, that the power, the resurrection power of Christ will rest on you and outwork through you. And there can be no confusion as to what is about to take place next. And so maybe tonight you come and you just need encouragement. Maybe tonight for you, I don't know the circumstances, it may be a relationship, it may be a friendship, it may be a person in your family, It may be uh, a marriage. It may be something to do in a relationship where you just think, I don't know how God could possibly resurrect this. I don't know how God could break through in this situation. It's too far gone. It's too far gone. There's no way he could fix this up. There's no way he could sort this out. But what you discover is when you're in the very place where it seems like it's all over, the very place where you can't press on, I'm dead and I'm done, that's when the resurrection power can come through. I think part of this, sign is to remind us that God can resurrect it. No matter how far gone it is, no matter how bad it is, God is powerful enough to resurrect those circumstances. Maybe it's a school situation. You've studied hard. You've thought, I want to get this OP or whatever you call it these days. I want to get this OP. I want to go on to get this career. And you didn't go as well as you expected. And you're thinking, God, how could you change this? But God is big enough and powerful enough to resurrect those circumstances. It could be a career path, a business, it may be a ministry area that you're involved in and you think I'm done and I'm done. I'm dead, like I can't go on any further but the resurrection power may just be on the horizon that you so desperately need. So tonight be encouraged. Maybe in the same way, just as Pete did to me, maybe in the same way, if you're calm and you're thinking I cannot go on, maybe I say to you, you're in a great place. You're in a good place because that's the very place you need to be to experience the miracle, the miracle of the resurrection power that we so desperately need. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for those that are watching online. And uh, it's true, great God, your word fulfills its purposes and never returns void. And I just thank you, great God, that there are some here tonight that desperately needed that word. They're feeling uh, in a place of despair. They're feeling in a place of, uh, I don't know where to turn or what to do. And I thank you, great God, that your word promises you'll never leave us nor forsake us. And just as you did the miracle uh, in this story that we've heard and read tonight, great God, you can do this uh, a miracle in, in, in people's lives tonight as well, Father. And so I thank you, great God. There's come, some come to respond. I thank you, great God, that as, uh, as people cry out to you, even maybe in this next song or this next couple of songs that we do, that you're gonna meet us where we are. We thank you so much, Lord, for your promises. We thank you never leave us nor forsake us. And I just pray for those that are struggling tonight that you bring encouragement into their hearts and in their lives, great God, to remind them of who you are, the resurrection power in you. So Lord, we worship you, we love you heaps and we just commit these things to you now in Jesus' mighty and precious name. Amen, amen. We're going to stand together now and we're going to worship our great God. And so I just pray that as you stand, as you sing these songs, you'd be reminded of who God is, that perspective shift, that reminder, the resurrection power in Him. Let's stand. Let's worship Him now together. That'd be great.
0: What we're going to do at the uh, this is the end of our series, the signs of life. What we want to do is create a bit of a space of just having a a bit of a time of extended worship. And in that, we want to do prayer as well. And so, just in a few moments, um, I'll give a bit more information on that. But we want to create a space where we can come and begin to seek God and and ask God. And maybe there's some needs in your own life. Whether it's you need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Tonight's night I'm going to encourage you to do that. Maybe you need healing. Maybe there's restoration. Maybe you don't know what your next steps are. But this is going to be that moment that we're going to do that. We're going to, we're going to spend just maybe another 10 minutes in worship and spend time in prayer. But in this time, we're going to keep live streaming this as well for the, the people that are watching this online. This time I'm gonna pray And then we're gonna go into that But if you feel free to If you need to Is to leave There's never anything To to force you to stay here For any of this We just wanna create An opportunity to do that Does that sound clear? And so feel free There's nothing saying You have to stay here You can slip out And uh, we'll be in Probably another 10 minutes If you wanna just sit In the presence of God And allow the Holy Spirit To speak to you This is what we wanna be We wanna be a church That seeks the heart of God Listen to Matthew 5 3 to 6 In the message version, this is what it says. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and His rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more. No less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. Verse 6 says this You're blessed when you worked up a good appetite for God. His food and drink is the best meal you'll ever eat. I want to let you know the, uh, the presence of God is here. Tonight, if you're either on a mountaintop or you're brokenhearted, God says in His Word that He draws near to the brokenhearted. And so I'm going to pray. And our pastors and prayer team are going to be in the far corners, left and right, just underneath where those um, exit signs are. And I want to encourage you through this time of worship if you want prayer, no matter what it is, this is a space where you can go over there and they'd love to pray for you. They'd love to ask for the Holy Spirit's intervention in your life. And if you want to just stand here whether you're up on the mezzanine and you want to stand here and be the presence of God, man there is power in the unification of worship. Voices coming together to sing of one God one name that stands above all the rest. Does that sound clear? Does that sound cool? If you want to kneel at the cross you go do that as well. Come on let's pray. Jesus just in these few next moments that we're going to share Lord God we just want to ask your Holy Spirit to come begin to work into our lives. Father, we wanna be a changed people. Less of us, more of you, Lord, so we can love in our community more. Lord, that we can be filled by your Holy Spirit. Lord, that we can lean into this generation and love this generation. Lord, that we may see healing and restoration. Lord, you want us to have life and life to the full, not meaning gather all these material possessions, but Lord, actually know the fresh filling of your Holy Spirit our life isn't dependent on what's in our hands, but it's found solely in who we are in you. And Lord, as we spend these next few moments worshiping the name of Jesus, the name that's above all names, and as we seek you in prayer, maybe kneeling, maybe praying for the person beside us, I just ask, Holy Spirit, will you lead this time? In Jesus' name, amen. If you wanna slip out, feel free to do that. Always feel free just to be in this time now let the Holy Spirit work. Well, Lord God these holy moments we've had as we worshipped your name as we seek you in prayer and Lord God as we go out into our week we thank you that you dwell within us you lead us and you hem us in from behind as well Lord God thank you for Matthew 19. that says, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. And so Lord God, this week as we go out, we don't want to go out humanly speaking. We want to go out with the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us in our workplaces to love people. Help us in whatever our universities or our schooling or our sporting arenas families, whoever we rub shoulders with. Lord, may we love as Christ has loved us and Lord, transform us, transform our heart, Lord God. And I want to thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for that truth that while we were still sinners, you died on a cross for us and now nothing can separate us from the love of God. And everyone said Thanks for joining us. Um, just doing church together is an amazing thing. This is where we get to come and do community, encourage each other, have our eyes refocused. And so I wanna pray rich blessing over your life as you go out and do what God has called you to do um, as well. And for those of you that, uh, watching live stream as well, we're praying God's richest blessing on you in life as well. And so have an incredible weekend. We'll see you next week. back in here. God bless we'll see you very soon he's the boss just
1: just had a prompting um, just to pray for just two more things tonight we're going to go in just a moment two people i did love you to pray for we've just done a series on miracles and healing um, just this afternoon Pastor Peter and I visited uh, a young dad in our church, Gavin and um, he's, he's right on the edge Um, The doctors have really lost all hope in terms of what they can offer and I would love us as a church there is power we join our hearts together in prayer that we would pray for him right now Um, we just spent some time with him and there was a real sense as as we prayed together it was quite amazing in fact Pastor Peter was coming from a service in Toowoomba I was coming from here and we end up at the hospital the exact same time and we're able to go in and pray for him but I'd love you to pray God would do a miracle. And the other person I'd love you to pray for tonight is Pastor Trisha's husband, Mark. As you know, has been in a battle with cancer. And I'd love for you to pray that God would come near to Mark, that God would heal him tonight as well. So we just spend a moment now just praying. If you know the person next to you, you can just turn with them and pray. If not, just pray in your heart right now. Would you do that? Let's unite our hearts together in prayer to the one the one who has power over death itself. Let's pray together right now.